0: Amen. Week number five of quarantine. Or is it six? I don't know about you, but to me everything seems like it's starting to blend together. How are you managing during these five, six weeks at home? Are you sick and tired of the quarantine yet? I gave myself a haircut this week. Gone are the days of sitting at the barber shop waiting for a cut. But what are we going to do now, Sanjay? Have you ever noticed that Sanjay has the tightest fade? I mean, it's like crisp every single week I see him. he got the line going, everything. He's looking all GQ. Well, what are we going to do now? This is what I did. This is called my Corona cut. Can you give me a thumbs up online if you think this was a good idea? This here virus has impacted Every aspect of our lives, has it not? All joking aside. I want to begin with a word of prayer so that we could begin today's message. Please bow your heads with me. Oh Lord, we start out with a light-hearted moment because our message today is going to get really deep, really fast. Please help us to see you through all of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There have always been forces unseen at play in our lives. Some of these forces have nudged us to be more giving, more generous, more big-hearted. And there's some other forces that have been at work in our lives, forces that have nudged us to be more selfish, more materialistic, more uncaring of the needs of those around us. But as we have drawn closer to the coming of Jesus, I wonder if the time for nudging has ended. Maybe now, with COVID-19, with a lot of people still in denial, thinking that this is just going to blow over in a couple of weeks, with record unemployment, with all the disruption that we've been dealing with in our lives, with unprecedented weather, caused by human activity, with unparalleled wealth and power coming into the hands of just a few people, maybe now is the time for us to wake up and smell the Roma. It is time for us to honestly consider the condition of our broken world and our malfunctioning society and our responsibility to do something about it. Maybe now is the time for us to act as if we care. To get up off of the sideline and join in the fight for what is good and decent Now is the time to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. We have to do this in a way that's not arrogant. And we need courage. We need courage to face the problems in our society. We need courage to even admit there are problems. We need courage to do something about it. We need courage to not care what people think when we're doing the right thing. Probably going to upset some folk right now. Did you know that COVID-19 is infecting and killing more black and brown people than anyone else in our country. There's a reason for that. And it is not because of a predisposition of black and brown people of getting sick. Why are there more men in leadership in governments, companies, and other institutions, including the church, than there are women in leadership? There is a reason for that. And it is not because men are somehow smarter or better suited for these roles. Why do the poor keep getting poorer and the rich keep getting richer? It's definitely not because the rich work harder or are somehow more deserving. The reason for all these injustices is different, but it is the same. Remember, I said things will get real deep, real fast. Here we go. The reason for all these injustices is because we have followed the ways of our enemy. Revelation 13 is about the enemy's method of bullying Intimidation, power over, and oppression. These are the reasons, knowingly or unknowingly, for the inequalities in our world. So often we choose to follow or are fooled into following the methods of the enemy rather than following the methods of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of the injustice. Sick and tired of the enemy. Sick and tired of his methods. And I am definitely sick and tired of us following him. So today, we are going to examine Revelation 14 which talks about God's methods. God's methods are of mercy and grace, of suffering and self-sacrifice. That's what we need more of. That is why we're going to Revelation 14. Traditionally, Seventh-day Adventists love this passage, especially um, Revelation 14, 6-12. We call it the three angels' messages. But a majority of the time that I have heard this sacred text preached, maybe not you, but a majority of the time that I have heard this text preached, I have walked away more anxious and discouraged. You see what's happened there? We have applied the methods of the enemy Even in the preaching of God's word. For instance, the first angel's message, I'm used to hearing, be terrified of God because he is going to get you. The second angel's message, I hear, come out of Babylon, which some people think come out of your church and come into mine. And the third angel's message, all I hear is, y'all are gonna burn. Your smoke is going to ascend forever, so you best obey. That's how we do the three angels' message. We use the enemy's method of intimidation, fear, and bullying to try to scare people to following Jesus. Tired of it. Tired. So what I want to do today, I want to reframe Revelation 14. I want to paint the picture of Jesus that I see bursting forth from the sacred text. I want to uplift the man Christ because the Bible says that when we lift up Jesus, he will draw all men and women unto himself. Is that okay? Let's do this. Now, before we jump into the text, If you don't know anything about the book of Revelation, it could be just a little bit tricky. When you read Revelation, you have to realize that there's a whole bunch of symbols that point to real people, places, and things. For example, when we read Revelation 14, the beginning, verses 1 to 5, we come to a group of people called the 144,000. This is a symbolic way of speaking of God's children. Specifically, everyone who is in a relationship with Jesus when he returns. And Revelation 14 says that the 144,000 are standing on Mount Zion. That's another symbol, Mount Zion. And it means that they're standing with God. They're on his side. So God's children are standing with God on His side. The 144,000 are standing on Mount Zion. Then, after they introduce the 144,000, we come to the three angels' messages. And verse 6, we'll begin our study. And now that we could read it in its proper light. Revelation 14, verse 6 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Okay, so follow me with this. There are, There's this angel, and the Bible says that the angel is preaching the gospel. That's easy enough. Well, what is the gospel? It's the good news that all of the pain that is suffocating us right now, Jesus is coming to smash that all and to completely destroy it. Jesus will save us from our sin. That's pretty awesome. Sometimes I hear folks talk about the three angels' message without even mentioning Jesus. How are you going to talk about the gospel of Jesus and not mention Jesus? How are you going to leave Jesus out of the book which the full title is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revealing Jesus, and no one's even talking about Jesus. Revelation isn't about World War III. Revelation is about revealing the loving character of Jesus Christ. And what is really awesome is that this angel who is preaching this good news is preaching this good news to those who dwell on the earth. That might seem like a duh thing, but it's easy to miss what the significance is. Whenever we see the phrase, those who dwell on the earth, in Revelation, it's always referring to people who oppress God's children. Those who dwell on the earth does not mean every single person who is actually living on the planet. Remember, the book of Revelation is filled with symbols. This is one of those symbols, those who dwell on the earth. Every time you see it in Revelation, every single time you see it in Revelation, it's not talking about everybody. It's talking about specifically God's enemies. There's a lot going on here, I know. Let's do a little review of what we learned so far. Revelation is a book with a whole lot of symbols. The 144,000, they're standing on Mount Zion. They represent God's people who are living on the earth. Those who dwell on the earth is also a symbol which represents God's enemies who are also living on the earth. Both groups of people are living on the earth. One is just a symbolic way of saying God's children. The other is a symbolic way of saying God's enemies. And then we have an angel who is preaching the good news of Jesus in the middle of all this. And who is the angel preaching to? It might surprise you. The angel is preaching this good news about mercy and grace Forgiveness and salvation, not to the people who are portrayed as standing on Mount Zion. The angel isn't preaching to God's children. No, they're already saved. This message of redemption is being preached to God's enemies who are portrayed as those who dwell on the earth. This awe inspiring message isn't for God's children, they are already saved. God is trying to reach his enemies here. Even though they're standing in complete defiance to God, he still loves them and he doesn't want anyone to perish. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that we are to love our enemies and he's demonstrating it here. Matthew 5, he says that we are to bless those who curse us, to do good for them that hate us. This is the depth of love. We don't understand this kind of love. It's too much for us to, to grasp. How are you going to love someone who's your enemy? How are you going to love someone who's cursing you? How are you going to love someone who is actively trying to tear you down? That's the love of God. Love is the highest calling that we can attain to, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It will take all of our strength, but it will be worth all of our effort. This is God's method. We're talking about God's method versus the enemy's method. Which one will you choose? And since we're making things really clear, I want to be crystal clear about who the Bible is talking about are God's enemies and who the Bible is talking about are God's children, the 144,000. Now God's enemies are people who do not love their neighbor or do not love their God. They are people who are only concerned with themselves who don't care about anyone who is hungry, couldn't care less about anyone who is naked, don't really want to worry about those who need some kind of help. In Matthew 25, Jesus says that the way we treated these folk, the most vulnerable, that's how you treated me. That is the group referred to in Revelation as those who dwell on the earth. God's enemies. Don't let anyone fool you and say that God's enemies are from that country or or from that religion over there. Those are who God's enemies are. You could have that thought, but don't say that comes from the Bible because that's nowhere in the Bible. God's enemies are the haters. And many of whom are pretending to be Christian. God's children, on the other hand, are the people who love their neighbor, who love their God, and who even love their enemies. Maybe they are not in a relationship with Jesus right now, but I believe all who truly love their neighbor will also truly love Jesus Christ when he returns. These lovers of Jesus are the 144,000. So I ask you, are you a lover or are you a hater? Are you going to be part of the 144,000? Or are you going to be part of those who dwell on the earth? Remember, this first angel's message of love is directed to God's enemy. This first angel's message is directed to the haters. God loves his enemies, but he wants them to stop hurting. So let's continue reading about it. Revelation fourteen six. one more time. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of water. There is such a beautiful connection between this verse and Exodus 20, verse 11. It highlights the reason why worshiping our God on the Sabbath, which is Saturday, is really important to God. We don't have time to get into it, but I'll just say that God created us and then rested on the Sabbath. He blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And He still wants us to keep the Sabbath holy because it restores us. It rejuvenates us. It connects us to Him like nothing else can. Not only that, this invitation to rest on the Sabbath is an invitation to protest the enemy and his methods of productivity. It's an invitation to um, protest the enemy's methods of materialism, this continually attaining stuff for ourselves. That's a whole other message, this connection between Revelation and Exodus 20.11. It's a powerful one, but we don't have time for it today. For today, I want to focus on this phrase, fountains of water, which seems a little out of place. You know, when when God says, uh, when when... Revelation says, worship God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea. You're like, okay, that covers everything. What else is there? But then it says, worship him who made the heaven, the sea, all that is in them, and the fountains of the water. Why? It's a reference back to Genesis 7, verses 11 to 12, where Scripture says, on that day all of the fountains of the water were broken up, the windows of heaven were opened up, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. This is a reference to the story of Noah and the Ark, the story of the flood that covered the earth. Now please follow me carefully on this. Let's just pause and go slowly through this one piece. We already saw that the context of this first angel's message is a loving God reaching out to his enemies, right? So when we read about the flood in the next verse, we need to read about it in the context of love. God is reminding his enemies about the flood. And this is what's really important. Not to convey the message, I am going to kill you, so you better straighten up and love your neighbor. That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. How is God going to get you to love your neighbor by threatening to kill you? No, God is saying this, my child, by hurting your neighbor, you are hurting yourself. You're going to destroy yourself if you keep this up. I want you to be safe. I will save you just like I saved Noah. I'll save you. It's not too late. Please trust me. Turn back from your greed. Turn back from your cold hardness turn back from your arrogance and your pride we need to reframe revelation 14 next the second angel's message verse 8 and another angel followed saying babylon is fallen is fallen That great city, because she had made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Who is Babylon? What is Babylon? What does it mean to come out of Babylon? Some people mean it means, oh, come out of this church and come into this church. That's Babylon, come in here and now you're all good. Is it that really, is that simplistic Remember I said that the symbols in Revelation can be found in other parts of the Bible. Well, you don't have to go too far to find out who Babylon is. That is what Revelation 13 is about. But we are short on time. All I will tell you is that Babylon is the counterfeit trinity. The sea beast, the earth beast, and the dragon. Oh my goodness, what are we talking about here? Sea beast, earth beast, dragon, whole lot of symbols. What do all these symbols mean? That's another hour-long message in itself. The cliff notes are this. The sea beast is counterfeit religion. The earth beast is... The United States of America, our government, and the dragon is Satan. Babylon is the greatest system of oppression of all time. It's uniting all these forces to try to annihilate you. And make no mistake, if we do nothing to help the oppressed, we are in fact joining with Babylon, joining with the oppressor. And what is the oppressor's fate? It sounds so nice that Jesus actually said it twice. Babylon is fallen. Is fallen. That's not a typo. It says it twice. That's how sure it is. This gargantuan conglomerate system, which is responsible for our pain and suffering, will come crashing down. And along with it, all of the haters. Reframing Revelation 14. Finally, the third angel's message. Chapter 14, starting in verse 9. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever received the mark on his name. Whoa. There is so much to unpack there. It's interesting, though, that right there it says those who worship the beast and his image have no rest. But God's people have a rest. Every single week, it's called the Sabbath. That's just interesting right there. There, There's so much going on here. You know that we can't cover all of this in the last five minutes. But there is a very important thing to point out. This angel and the first angel are said to speak in a loud voice. And that usually comes across as an angry parent ready to whoop the behind of their children. And so we need to reframe all that junk into its proper context, the context that we've seen clearly throughout this, the context of love. I shared this story about five months ago here at our church, but it's so good, it bears repeating. This is a picture of me and my son, Max. A few years back I was a member of the YMCA down in Charlottesville and we used to go there all the time, get a workout. Now he's such a quick little squirt that when I took him out of his car seat and set him on the ground, before I could grab his hand, he darted off laughing. We normally play this game where I chase him, I say, I'm gonna get you and oh but he laughs and he starts running even faster. He loves it. And we play over and over and over again. Well, this day in the parking lot, he just wanted to play. He had no idea of the danger he was in. He, he is real little in that picture. And cars can't see little kids. So uh, he was running and I was in hot pursuit trying to catch up with him. Just then I saw lights on this truck, reverse lights turn on. And I called out to Max, trying to stop him from running. He thought I was playing. He ran even faster. I called out his name again a second time. Ran even faster. The third time I called his name, it was so loud that I think the reverberations of my voice, when they hit his ear... He didn't know what to do, so he just fell to his knees. He was kind of stunned and shocked. Never heard me uh, call out his name that loud before. Now here's the thing. There wasn't an ounce of anger in my voice. The only thing that was in my voice was love and concern for Max. I ran over, scooped him up. And he was safe in my arms. Revelation 14 talks about some pretty intense stuff. And we could probably do a series of talks for the rest of the year on Revelation 14 alone. I've just tried to pick these highlights to reframe this thing for us. God is calling out to us to those who have rejected Him and rejected His ways of love and compassion, rejected His methods of goodness and kindness. God is calling out in a loud voice to those who disparage His people, who belittle their neighbor, who don't care about the vulnerable and actually oppress them. And He wants the people to stop hating Hating is part of what it means to be in Babylon. And Babylon is in the process of being destroyed. God wants us to stop putting one another down because he knows it will eventually lead to our own destruction. God doesn't want any of us to perish. So he calls out one last time in a loud voice not because he's angry, but because he loves us and he sees that we're heading into danger. Will we fall to our knees? Or will we stand in defiance? Will we follow Jesus? Or will we follow the ways of the earth beast? The United States of America. Do we represent Jesus and his ways of kindness? Or do we represent our country's political divide and its ways of divisiveness and stabbing each other in the back? And this is a serious question to ask. I'm so serious right now because there are studies that show that church members, not Folks in the world don't even go to church, but church members are more influenced by the television that they watch, by the news that they ingest, than they are influenced by Jesus Christ and what the Bible says. That is why we are told to come out of Babylon Spend five hours a day glued to your favorite news channel and not even five minutes with God in the Bible? Who do you think you will be loyal to when you spend such an overwhelming amount of time receiving this information? And then just a little trinket of time over here. Who will you be loyal to Will you be loyal to a Republican president? Will you be loyal to a Democratic president? Will you be loyal to the United States of America, even above God? No, friends, no party, no president, no country can take the place of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We as Christians must be faithful. Faithful unto death. Faithful to Jesus. Faithful to His ways of love. Even loving our enemies. Faithful to compassion, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you sick and tired of the enemy? and his method do you want to be faithful to Jesus and his methods you can start building God's kingdom right here right now here's the thing when Jesus returns you know there's going to be a whole bunch of fire and all this is going to burn up but there are some things that will not be destroyed God's Love will not be destroyed. The love that we have for Him will not be destroyed. The love that we have for other people will not be destroyed. So if we build these relationships, if we build these connections of love, if we build these systems and structures of love, they won't be destroyed. They will just be strengthened when Jesus comes. So in a very real sense, we could start building God's kingdom right here and right now. If you reach out in a loving act to your neighbor, that love will never perish. It will echo into eternity. So you've built the kingdom of God. If you reach out and feed the hungry, give drink to those who are thirsty, all those, Matthew 25... Mandates. If we do those, those actions will never be destroyed. You'll be building up the kingdom of God. Do you want to build the kingdom of God today? Do you want to be a part of the 144,000? Do you want to be a part of the lovers? Or do you want to be a part of the enemy, the dragon, the haters, those who dwell on the earth? The choice is ours. God's calling out in a loud voice, not because He's angry, because He loves us and He wants us to prosper. He wants love to overflow in our lives. Revelation 13 is not about anger. Revelation 13 is about a love unparalleled, a love of God reaching out to His enemies. I invite you now. Maybe you've never taken the opportunity to accept Jesus into your heart. You're there, you're home. Maybe you could raise your hand. Maybe you could stand to your feet. God sees you. Maybe you could type in a comment saying, I want to accept Jesus. And we will celebrate, and and there'll be a, a big celebration for you with God. If that's you, I want to invite you to do that right now. Maybe uh, you've already accepted Jesus, but you've really started following the methods of the enemy. And you want to stop all that. You want to stop the greed. You want to stop the materialism. You want to stop all of those ways that the enemy is prescribed. And you want to start to follow back Jesus. You want to maybe stop watching some of the news. You want to pick up back the Bible. You want to dust this thing off. And start spending two minutes in it a day. Five minutes. Five minutes for the Word of God. Maybe you want to start praying more. You want to pray, Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't understand the Bible. He'll lead you. You don't need an expert to open up this book. God made each one of us experts read this thing. If you want help, we would love to sit with you and read through the Bible with you. Leave a comment. We'll reach out to you. We'll walk you through some Bible studies. But you want to increase Bible study. You want to increase prayer. If that is you, I pray that you drop us a comment too or you raise your hand. You do something. Fall to your knees maybe. You've heard God calling out in a loud voice. Fall to your knees. I want to fall to my knees right now. And have a word of prayer for you. I don't know what that is going to do with these camera angles. But we're going to try. If you are able. Kneel with me. And we'll pray. Father in heaven. We are so grateful. For this opportunity. To respond to your calling. The Holy Spirit has touched our heart today. We have heard from your word. How powerful you are. And how Much You love us. Lord, I pray that You give us the courage to follow You. Help us to turn off all that news and to turn on all that God. Help us to turn on that Bible. Help us to respond to Your methods. Some of us, Lord, are responding for the first time and You are overjoyed at it. Others of us, Lord, maybe we're responded once in the past, but now you're really not a part of our life. We don't really consult you. But we want to, at least in this moment. In the very next moment, the world is going to continue and we'll forget. But our prayer right now is that you seal it inside of us. So in that moment when the enemy is trying to get us to forget, that you will hear this prayer and answer it in the future. Lord, keep us close to you earnestly pray this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ and all of God's children the 144,000 say Amen and Amen Amen friend I believe that this was a good day and that the Holy Spirit is working in your lives I want to invite you to come back here next week We're going to have a communion service and you could just, it could be like a rebirth for you. A celebration of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus through communion service. Come here next week. Look for information on our social media. Also, I want to remind you that tomorrow, on tomorrow, we are going to have our food uh, grocery delivery system. The information is there on your screen. It's from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., all you have to do is call that number you see on the screen. Write it down right now. And give us a call right after this message. Leave a message if people are busy calling too. And leave your name and your return number. We'll get back to you and we'll reserve your spot. We know this is a tough time and we want to follow the methods of Jesus with our generosity, with our big-heartedness. And we want all of us to do it. If you need help, come see us tomorrow. Finally, we are so thankful to have the opportunity we have to worship here, to broadcast to you, and to provide for the needs of our community in the various ways that we are doing. None of this would be able to happen without the financial contributions of listeners just like you. If you have been moved by the Holy Spirit, help us to sustain the work that we're trying to do here. We're trying to uh, expound this good news to Tacoma Park. We're trying to be lovers. we were the 144,000 and we we're trying to tell the world about it. Tell our community about Jesus. And we need your financial donations. So you could go to our website right now even. www.thetpchurch.org And then there's a give button. You could give in a a variety of ways. You could mail in a check. You could text us your donation. Or you could give online through uh, an account or a credit card. Each one of those gifts makes a huge difference in the operations here. If you want the money to stay here, you'll just have to label it Local Church budget. And that will allow us to continue to do the things that we're doing. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you either on Wednesday night prayer meeting, which will be via virtual Zoom, or right here next week. God bless you.